Welcome to the Crack On Podcast, hosted by me, John Saunders. Crack On! Hey guys, hope you're well. Welcome to another edition of the Crack On Podcast. And this edition features a great old friend of mine, Paul Lillycrap, who is the director of LGM Online Training, but more the person I know and the, the one that I got introduced to many years ago. Uh, he's with the owner of the PWL Associates Training uh, Program, which his history is all marketing, bums on seats, pre-book business, sales, and how to get those sales. Uh, and I've learned so much from him. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and the, and the time he gave us, gave to me. I uh, hope you enjoy and crack on. Afternoon, Paul. How are we doing? Uh, John, I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. Good, mate. Good. Hey, thank you for coming on, coming on to the podcast. It's a pleasure. Anything for you. Oh, thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much. And on that note, let's go straight into the first question then. So what does crack on mean to you? Well, it just means getting on with stuff. It means getting on with your life. It means pick up on opportunities. Uh, here are the opportunities. And as the word says, crack on. Yeah, so absolutely. that's just how I read it. And what about, what? give me an example in your life that you've just done that. Because there's lots of times, I bet in your life you've done that. Let's give me a, give me an example of that. Well, I, I suppose um, when I started off, uh, and here, here am I giving my age away. Yeah. But I, I always was focused on working in the cabaret industry theater restaurants that was that was a love that yeah. I was trying to get to and and I was lucky to join the in those days the big trust house 40 group who owned the talk of the town in London and it was right. one of those aspirational things and I think there was about 900 of us had had um, tried to get a job with them on their graduate training programs right and they chose 10 and i was one of the lucky 10 oh wow brilliant and, and my my training was actually unbelievably for a short period of time at the talk of the town in london and that brilliant. just cemented it just cemented everything because it made the dreams come true so i was very lucky but we we did a tour of all their type of businesses like hotels and bars and restaurants and everything really that trust houses were doing um and got involved with that and then the long term of that was that emi uh, is leisure yeah. then amalgamated with with uh, trust house 40 leisure right um and then from there there was a management buyer and it then became first leisure corporation that's right of yeah. which i was then embodied into first leisure corporation and that's where i ended up in my end of my days until uh, the wonderful Michael Grade came along and sold it all off so that he'd get a nice pension. Yeah, yeah, and he did get a nice pension at that. He did get a nice pension. That's really, <laughs> that's a cracker. That's a cracker. So let's go into the second one then. So have you got, have you ever had, or have you got a sort of idol you've looked up to, or a mentor that you really, and it well, is, so what is yeah, it about that, that person you that, respect? I think the right you? word is mentor. I think okay. that's a good word. There were two men in my life. Uh, there's John Conlon, who was the, Chief Executive of uh, First Leisure. That's right. An extraordinarily talented human being. And then my direct boss is a chap called Tony Sprague. Um, and I worked for Tony most of my life, really. Um, and as a team, uh, we built up First Leisure Dancing, which was probably the most profitable, because you're only measured by how much money you put in the bank. Absolutely. Um, um, most profitable um, dancing discotheques uh, in the UK. And in the end, we had 34 of them spread all over the place. Um, and the, the wealth factor that it brought into First Leisure Corporation uh, was extraordinary. But those two men in their own special way had the ability to, well, really capture, capture your heart and, and could get into the minds of people and their creativity uh, was enormous. They'd look at a project or they'd look at an idea and things that nobody else saw, they saw. 
Yeah. And we and we just put it into play and it really did work. I mean, some of some of Tony's discotheques were icons of the business and remain so. Yeah. And not bragging, but there, there was a there was a an award ceremony every year. And first leisure would clean up. And it, you know, we were against Mecca and against Rank and again uh, the smaller companies. Uh, and we would always get in there and and the post, our people always won. So yeah, yeah, quite and, excited and with that. I take it, I mean, that's really interesting. I suppose one of the first questions is sort of, where did it all start? I mean, obviously the first leisure, the first leisure being the, the, the marketing side, where did the marketing part sort of take off? Where did you find your spark? Well, that, that was interesting. Um, when the night out closed in, in 1981, something like that, yeah. No, close 1986. Um, I was jobless for a moment and sent to Scotland um, as a penalty. And that yeah. was a penalty, Scotland. <laughs> um, and um, spent 12 months up there and then um, took on a, a restaurant group in Manchester, still in the same company with First Leisure, yeah. called Whitegate Taverns. Right, and these these were steakhouses like the old Bernie Inns and Beef Eaters, as we know yeah, them today. Yeah, yeah, love them, love them. Anyway, did very very well, and we sold all of that lot. Then got sold to Grand Metropolitan, which today is Diageo. Right, and um, on that sale pitch, um, First Leisure themselves came back to me and said, "Look, would I go and head up the dancing division um, and work with a chap called Tony Sprague?" And I did. And yeah. from 1986 onwards to the rest of my life until First Leisure disbanded in 2000, yeah. um, I was there with him. And I then set up wearing my marketing hat, if you like, yeah. all the elements and issues that I'd put into First Leisure uh, and that experience, I then turned into my training courses. Brilliant. And and those training courses then came together in 2000. And then for the first few years, did them by myself. Uh, and then to control me better, because apparently I, I, I was out of control, so my <laughs> wife said. Um, never, she never. then joined me and we did the courses together. Yeah. And had been doing that ever since COVID. And then when COVID came along, um, uh, that, that was the end because my business is the hospitality and the leisure sector, right. which has just been screwed with COVID. So, so had P to reposition So PWL, you know, I know that um, it's all been about, I mean, you're, what you're renowned for. I remember when we met and I was put on a course when I worked in Novus right at the beginning and we, uh, it was all about pre-book sales and bums on, you know, putting bums on seats and, so we got, I had the pleasure of coming to one of your courses and it, and it changed me, you know, it changed me as a, as an individual and, a, and the way I saw the business because the business, and it has changed a hell of a lot, hasn't it? Well, I, I think what's happened is, is everything around us has changed. Yeah. Our communication links are changing. You know, uh, I was running a nightclub in Holland uh, from a marketing perspective, uh, just outside Amsterdam. 10,000 capacity nightclub where I'd never had that experience before. Yeah. In today's world, you would market that with emails and all sorts of the new technology. In those days, it wasn't even invented. Mm. In fact, the computer had only just been invented. So I was dealing with old style marketing and how to get your message out. And of course, for me, that then introduced me into networking. Yeah. And I cut my teeth on networking a 10,000 capacity nightclub in Europe and then brought, had so much success with that, yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable success, that I brought it back to the UK and we then put it into everything. We put it into nightclubs, the bars, 10-pin bowling, whatever we could do and put that structure of networking that we you, developed in Holland. What do you mean by what do you mean by networking? Because uh, just so the audience understand, what do you mean by networking? Well, networking is that whatever you're doing, to some extent, you can't do everything. Yeah. So if you're running a pub, if you're running a bar, if you're running a nightclub, you can't be all things to all people all the time. 
Yes. And you bring in specialists to fulfill your kitchen or your bars or the floor or, or marketing even. Yeah. And in the marketing role, um, the key is if you can get loads of other people to promote you for nothing, yeah. um, that's really what you're trying to do. And we developed these wonderful networking platforms, for want of a better word. Yeah. The first one we ever did was at the Blue Orchid in Croydon. Right. When I came back and um, it had had the odd fracas on the street because Croydon can be a little violent at times. It, it can be. It can um, be. And um, I teamed up with a guy called John Bunce. Um, and John, a very intelligent lad, uh, I think he runs the jam outfit in Birmingham now for Steve oh, Thomas. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. Um, and so we briefed John on the networking technique and he implemented it into Croydon. And a bit. Um, redone and reset up, then moved from 10 grand a week to, to nearly 90 grand a week, same business. And that was all really through networking. Uh, and, only be, and he set it up perfectly. He did an absolute superb job with it. So we then copied the model, if you like, and put it through all the rest of First Leisure. And it did. It made First Leisure extremely uh, profitable and one of the big blue chip leisure companies within the UK. So I stole all those ideas that we'd all put together, starting from Holland, and put that into my training course. So that's what it, and and there and from there on, it's 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 what's happened really. And what do you think regarding? Because I mean, you know that I say an old school approach, but for me, I don't think it's old school. I think it's how it should be because obviously I know we're all online and we're doing this and we're doing that, but that interaction of people. And that, and that reaching out and that networking side of it. I mean, I, I am an absolute advocate of it and I always have been, but the, the, how do you feel about the new technology way and the new, you know, the new age? How's that, how's that, when that, how's that impacted your business? But two, how do you, what do you think about it? it? That's a very, very good question, actually. The benefits of today is that networking can be slimlined to be even better. Right. Because in the old days, you were treading the pavements to make things happen. Yeah. Where in the new days, you have to only do one treading. So once you've met the client, once you've set up the place to distribute your flyers and your, your promos, yeah. you can keep the contact going cheaply through email and that style of communication. Yeah. And you can also send images, colored images through to the person that you're speaking to. Yeah. And in the old days, it was fax machines. Well, of course, they were, they, hardly anybody uses that today. No. Um, but with the emails, you can say these shows are coming, this act is coming, and you can keep the network alive. And you, it, it's cheap to do because it's through the email. And you can get your message over very comprehensively mm. uh, once you've set up that first site. And then you can do that to 20, 30 sites if you want to. Yeah, you can replicate it easier. I suppose what's happened now is yeah. And I mean, and to have twenty people out there promoting your business, you know, places like hairdressers, for example, mm -hmm. or taxi yeah. companies, or even the concierge at the hotels, all promoting your business. Yeah. Um, it's 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 marvelous because you aren't paying anybody. No. Uh, and you 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 work it on results basis. So. The, the uh, operation that sends you the best number of customers yeah. uh, wins the prize. And mm. then like, like many of us um, who have the contacts of the area where you work, yeah. um, the tour operators love you for getting your, their messages out. And in those days, the holidays to Spain were, were quite cheap. Mm. Um, and you, you'd give away the odd Spanish holiday and you've just generated 10, 15,000 quids worth of sales uh, yeah. for a 200 pound holiday. And yeah. in those days, a 200 pound holiday was, was a good holiday. Yeah, but with regards to, with that though, I mean, my, my feelings, I still think, I know it's easy to get to the customer or the client, but the actual relationships, surely old school, face-to-face, -face, people relationship building. I mean, I, I just, my bit is that I think the industry is losing that or lost that sector of it. And I think 
I've had big success in Brighton. So Brighton, if I give you an example, all I did was put your elements into place. And I put, I went to the, the hoteliers, I met the GMs, I met the, and that's all, for me, that is what I'm, I'm good at. And that's what I think that, you know, businesses can't, should learn from that. I was the only one near enough doing that as well. Um, and you taught, you, you, you've been an advocate of that for what, 30, you know, for 40, 40 odd years. Yeah, and even up into the last day, cooking, really. Yeah. Uh, I would always say that that's the right way to do it. I mean, the one-to-one -one personal contact is what's going to make it. Yes. Um, I tried to do it, or some of my colleagues tried to do it without the personal contact. Right. And the results of the flyers and the results of the tickets that were out there were terrible. Yeah. And the moment that the one-to-one -one contact, because you'd phone up somebody and you say, hi, Mary, hi, John, mm. you know, uh, how are you doing? And because you've had that bonding, because yeah. you have done the meeting, and you can do other things, you know, in a genuinely sort of thing, you know, mm. how's the family, what's yeah. happening? And, and you're, making, you're making this into one relationship because your, your network outlets all become friends. Yeah, cool. And then for the clever managers, and there's, there was a lot of them, they would have the network groups and they'd bring them all in, give them a drink, give them a good bit of fun. Uh, and that reinforced uh, the strength of the network again. And, you know, you, you'd see your sales figures go up straight after those those occasions. Yeah. Not I mean, everybody did moment, it. But... I mean, the, the bit with that, Paul, the interesting bit with the industry at the moment is they've gone, you know, we're going or everyone's going very digital as in order online order on the app order on this my problem with it at the moment is quite straight if a person can't talk to someone about a drink we're in the hospitality industry if you take away that people people person that people section what are you left with you're left with a drink and you're left with you then bargaining i mean that's the bit that, that upsets me a bit about i know covid's happened for a reason i also understand where we're at but i don't i think that one-to-one -one interaction is crucial yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. And it's different levels of profit, different levels of sales. Um, if, you, if you don't have the right word, the wherewithal is a good word to use. I was yeah. cleaning it up considerably because of the podcast. Um, and this is Brandon, so you can do what you want, mate. If, if, you, if you don't have that about you, then or you will get results simply because you've opened that door. Yeah. But if you can have the human reaction to it as well, those sales double because the guys, the guys or the girls will say, oh, that's a great place. The guy's a good guy. Oh, it's a good place to see Shekhar Khan or whoever you've got on stage. Yeah. Um, and they are selling it for you because they know you, they love you. Yeah. Um, and you work hard to make sure that that relationship stays entwined, really. Absolutely. Um, and for as long as it will be. And, uh, and, and talking about the crack on mindset and the crack on attitude, obviously you've had, you had a business of over 21 years, and then you had to diversify into something else, an online platform. How, talk me through the decision-making with that and what it was like. Well, sadly, my wife died in October. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, I knew that I didn't really want to continue um, doing the courses without her. Right. She was a part of everything yeah. because it was great humor in the courses. And I used to take the piss out of the delegates beautifully. Uh, and yeah, she yeah, would I, always can, I can say that. I was on, I've been on three times, mate. So I can oh, tell okay. you But she would always beat me up afterwards. So I yeah, thought, yeah. well, uh, and she would control me to a certain extent. So oh. I would go along with that. Yeah. So not having her, I then thought, well, COVID was there. My yeah. industry was destroyed. Yeah. Um, how can we go back, support the industry, get myself an income and make it all happen? So I, I was blessed, to be honest with you, with two amazing, two amazing friends and colleagues uh, that I'd met on my route in life. Yeah. And one of those friends has got great technical abilities to design. Right, brilliant. He runs his own agency in Birmingham, a chap called Martin Greer. Right. And he then, I then wrote all the slides up and did all the slides that I do on my course. Yeah. But I had to be more explanatory uh, and, and the slides had to have some sort of uh, real feel about them to make it work. 
Yeah. And Martin designed all of those and put them together. And then uh, my other guy, uh, uh, James Moore, again, he runs his own company, is an amazing communication guy. Right. And he knew all the tools, how to put it together. And he negotiated an amazing deal with the Indians, believe it or not. Right. Because the English market for uh, putting your own website up and that sort of thing, the costs are absolutely prohibitive. Yeah. And James comes along with his negotiation skills. And what would have cost absolute multitudes of thousands, James made it affordable. Right. So uh, yeah. we pulled this course together, put it all online. But um, my voice isn't the best voice uh, to support the um, course yeah. uh, online. Um, some have told me it's a bit camp. I, I don't agree with them, but uh, we'll let that go. I, I think it's very, very eloquent. And I think oh, it's yeah, 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 yeah. You can only be loved once, dear. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I brought this other guy that I'd met, a chap called James Rose, who yeah. is a professional trainer, and he works a lot for the Inland Revenue and people like that training. Right. And I asked him if he would do the voiceover because he's got he's just got the right voice for it. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and we were also looking at the American markets because my sister is American. Right. And she's in the real estate over there. Okay. And the whole thing, if it's done properly, might have access into the North American market as well. Right. Because I'm trying to be very, very rich in my dying days. <laughs> um, Warren and, Buffett, a Warren Buffett of the UK, huh? Yeah. So James did the voiceover and they put it all together. And it, it, it was very exciting and it got launched last Tuesday. So it's very mm -hmm. live and almost instantly had 900 hits, which I was really pleased with, to be yeah. honest. Uh, and two, two very firm inquiries to buy the courses, which Brilliant. I'm still negotiating with, they're beating me up. So- yeah. um, Kicking you when you're yeah. down, are they? Sorry? They're kicking you while you're down, are they? Yeah, that's the way they do it, though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. oddly enough, I still love them kicking me. So, um, <laughs> but again, it, it's all through people that have either been on the course. Yeah. Uh, someone's said, you know, speak to Lily Cramp and get your marketing plan together. Yes. And the best guy to do that was me. So yeah. I'm thrilled that I still have got that, um, that huge support. So quite exciting, really. Yeah, look, and, and I think it's one of those ones, again, going back to your point, it's about people, isn't it? Everything's about people. Yeah. And, I think and in, the, in, the, in our business, if you don't do that, you, you'll never make the business sing. Because I, I totally agree. I think at the moment, there's too many businesses, and I'm, I'm going to get on my pedestal, but because, you know, yes, you've been in the industry longer than me, but I, we've, you know, I've been in it 23, 24 years, and, you know, for me, the biggest thing that anyone needs to do right at this moment is put their arms around their team, not not bring in loads of new things that they need to be doing. Because the, 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 it's hard to recruit at the moment in our industry, you know? People don't want to be in it anymore. And that's such a sad place to be because it's, it's such a fun industry to be in. Yeah, and I think you're right. And you can, you can actually see the very successful managers yeah. because they have, a bit like you, the gift of the gab. Yeah. And in that gift, they are able to seduce, they're able to motivate, they're able to generate that enthusiasm with their staff. Yeah. And their staff are working not for the ginormous company, but actually for that individual, 100%. because the individual is motivating them. And, and for want of a better word, they're feeling the love yeah. and get on and make the job even better. I agree, yeah, I agree and totally. And you can see those successful people out in the market. Yeah, and unfortunately, without uh, bringing a bit of a spin on it, there's less of them now about than there ever have been. Yeah, and I think the industry has been hit for six with COVID. It's going to take yeah. a while to get back on its feet. Um, and Brexit hasn't hasn't helped either. No, no, what, but, are your views on, what are your views on COVID? I know obviously COVID it has transformed your business. So, it, you know, I understand that where it was and where it is now, but I mean, you had to make those tough decisions and you made them, but how's, how do you, where do you see the industry going within, without, outside of COVID? Well, now we've gone through it or we're in the other part of it. It was very interesting to see the government testing out 
what happened in Liverpool with that, yeah. uh, for want of a better night, a good rave up night. Yeah. Um, and there's been no negative feedback from there. They haven't yeah. said, you know, 10 people have died because of this or the COVID rates have gone up, whatever. It seemed to have settled. Yeah. And then when you look at what's happened with Wembley, where they're trialing out there, uh, and, you know, they've got 10,000 people here and 1,000 people there, it, they're making it work because they're trialing it out very carefully. Yeah. And I think in the end, the industry will bounce back because it's all about going out. You know, you can't hold back the youngsters. No. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got an 18, I've got a 15-year-old, I've got a 13-year-old. Yeah. Um, and whatever you say, you know, they want to go out, they want to meet the boys, they want to have a good time, yeah. they want to go dancing, they love the music. Um, and if you, you've got to give them access to do that. Yeah. And the, the world out there now will have to come together in a different way. I agree. And, what is and, that, what is, and what is that different way? Well, the different way, again, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's good communication to that audience. I mean, look at it all now, TikTok and and all this these different platforms and social media that yeah. you can talk to people with. It's, it's all going through the roof. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I pretend I don't know because I don't want to get involved with half of it. Yeah. But you, you have to get involved with half of it because that's how your children are speaking to other people out there. Yes. And you need to understand what's going on. And that world it, of marketing, as you said, is talking to the right person at the right time. Exactly. And ultimately, with wherever the, the medium goes, the marketing's got to follow, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, not so long ago, everybody was Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. And then it got Twitter, 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 Twitter. Uh, and now there's all these other things, Snapchat and mm. Yellow Pock and whatever things. I can't, can't <laughs> keep up with it all. But it's all out there and it's all yeah. happening. Yes. Um, and the communication, sadly, in the old days, you know, you'd say to yourself, oh, I'll do some bus sides to, so that everybody gets to see. You actually can't see what the marketing is doing, whereas it was so visual in the early days. It yeah. would be on posters and 48 sheets and you'd have them here there. Today, the marketing is far more focused yeah. and driven to the individual. And it's those managers that have got their act together and have captured the data, have the right communication mm -hmm. and run with the rules. You, if you break the rules, then you're going to lose it. Yeah. But I, I'm even to this day, I'm, I just cannot believe the amount of managers that do not recruit the right data from the customers sat in their business or coming to their business because yes. there's the money for the future. Yeah, talk us a bit through that, because that's what that's the crux of what your business is all about, isn't it? It's about collecting, looking, getting the data that's, that's real, and you can use it real time. Is that That's near enough, and being able to communicate to the customer directly. Yeah, and of course, one of the things, I mean, I, I was dealing with one major PLC recently. Yeah. Uh, a big group, you know, employing, you know, 20,000 plus people. And I went into one, I won't mention the name of the group, but I went into one of their businesses and came out quite shocked. The, the business was great. The layout was good. The food was excellent. The bars were fabulous. The atmosphere, you couldn't, you, you wanted to say, well done. Yeah. But there was no method of capturing that member of, of customers' details. Yeah. And the biggest promotion that happened within the industry and within my industry and what made First Leisure a cut above everybody else was its ability to promote birthdays and the birthday party. And the birthday cards that we used to send out religiously every single week through our own company, T3, up in Newcastle, yeah. that linked it all together and tied up all the discotheques, made sure that the data collected all had birthdays on it. Yeah. So the biggest traffic builder and the driver of people were these massive birthdays. Yeah. And we'd print the birthday card, but included in the birthday card, we'd have 20 or 30 invitations. Yeah. Because you had to fill up your nightclubs. You know, you needed to have 2,000 people a night uh, in your business, and you had to be able to get to them. And in the end, you found that the birthdays were a great pull and brought a lot of business in. 
And, and I learned that from an early days, both at the Talk of the Town, the Night Out in Birmingham and the Golden Garter in Manchester. Yeah. Uh, all three were businesses that I ran, that the biggest business bit, um, t taking out the commercialism of what London offered, was uh, birthdays, because yeah. the, the parties would come and you'd get, you know, whether it's a four party or a 20 party or a 50 party, it was the birthday business that put the money in the bank. And, and that's through the data capture and making sure you get the right data capture. I mean, I went to a business the other, the other day, about a year ago, yeah. they were doing data capture and the only thing they missed off their data capture was the date of birth of the individual. Right. So they didn't have the birthday opportunity. No. I'm looking at this person, I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, what's the matter with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then they changed it and put the birthday on. Yeah, the, the, the interesting bit now, though, I suppose, obviously, with Facebook and all that social media we spoke about, the it's still, it's still never yours. I mean, something you always really were a massive advocate of is actually when you collect it and it's yours. I know the GDPR rules and regs have come in, etc. But there's there's something about not being held bent by other parties having control of your data. There's a lot of importance in that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think the the issues then as are the issues today. Yeah, is that if you respect the fact that it's a big thing to take your data off a customer, yeah. and you're asking the customer to give you quite personal information. You know, yeah. when we when were you born? How old are you? What's your personal address? What's your email address? How what's the contactability? Because of the crookedness of life that we live in, yeah. when somebody's got the trust to give you that data, if you use it properly and don't abuse it, you then have got the, that data working for you managerially yeah. with the customer coming in and using it. The moment that you, you mess up the data, and I remember buying a club in Blackpool once, and there was, oh, I don't know, about 40,000 names and addresses that came with the club. Yeah. All of a sudden, those people's trusts were destroyed, not by us, but right. by the people selling the club, because somebody else then owned that data. Mm. And of course, what happened was that data didn't work, because the moment the customer thought, well, you know, I'm being let down here, um, we had to restart the data collection all over again. And yeah. that new data was the data that worked. Yeah, and then there's, well, you just mentioned a big word, trust. And actually, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a that, that, for me, that's the biggest word, you know, in, in the whole industry is that you've got to be able to trust, especially on that data front. You've got to be able to trust what you, who you're giving it to and actually how you're receiving it. Um, I think that's a, it's a massive word. Yeah, and I think you're right. It, it, it's, you know, if you make a decision to go out at all, yeah. The, the reason you're you're going to a certain place is either recommendation or yeah. you're going to try something for new. Yeah. And if you then find a place that you can trust and the the offering is good value, you will go back because yeah. it, you trust the place. You're going to look after. I mean, the difference today is if you're going to go out to a bar or you're going to go out, what is that bar doing to protect you now against COVID? And you won't go back to that bar unless you know that there are things in place to look after you. Yes. Uh, I've got a very good friend who's a hairdresser. Right. And she spent £10,000 just on ensuring that when the customer goes into her saloon, the customer's protected from any other person in there and her own staff. Right. And you had to put all these perspex stuff up and everything and because of that her business is thriving mm. and you know she used to be closed at 4 30 5 o'clock now she's open till eight o'clock at night yeah uh, because everything has been spread over it's a new business model and i think what we'll find with our industry it will end up being new business models that make it work because you have to work against the problem yeah, and, and come up with a solution to make it happen yeah funny Sorry, enough, i missed that that was one of my leading, that was one of my questions on with that actually was, was how do you, you know, if I'm sat there as a bar owner, bar manager, you know, whatever I am, and I'm sat there thinking, right, okay, I need a, I need a marketing strategy for the next sort of 12 months. As an overview, where, where does that go from now, right? 
sat at this moment in COVID, how would you approach that? Um, I would say to you that one of the strengths of being able to survive in the market is to be able to put a plan together right. and work to a plan, which has got a clear objective to it. So let's say your objective is to increase turnover by £200,000 a year. Let's say you need to do that and you need to put it or easier said, put a quarter of a million pound of extra sales into your business. Yeah. And you have to put a plan together to get there. That means you have to pull apart the business all over again and work out what you actually need day by day, hour by hour in terms of money in the bank. So how, are you busy for lunch? Are you busy in the afternoon? Are you busy in the evening? And what evening? And what's your focus going to be? Yeah. And the key to success is very simple. You have to be a good planner. And if you don't plan, it will never work for you. Right. Because they say, well, what's that? Um, <clears throat> what's that? Piss poor planning gives. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I've, I've heard the saying. Yeah. Um, and piss poor planning brings in poor performance. And I that's think right. that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, in a, some way, why my courses have been so successful, and 8,000 people have done the course in the UK with me. Yeah. Um, it is a resource to teach you how to plan because you've got to put the plan into action to make it work. I mean, a simple solution, for example, is that whatever business you're in, whether it's a bar, a restaurant, nightclub, whatever, yeah. today you have to make it interesting. And although it might be fairly new, you yeah. still have got to go out there and turn it into a major benefit for the customer to go in. So yeah. whether it's a Spanish feel or whether it's a red wine feel or whether it's a boozy feel, whatever it is that you have to do, you need to put the event together that's going to say, oh, I'd like to go to that. I'd like to be a part of that. And my course brought all of that uh, to the table. And perhaps I'm asked more than any other thing, would I send from my course um, my ideas selection in events that you can put on. And I, we've put together 77 different ideas in the course just on events. I mean, not everything's going to suit everybody, but you can cherry pick from 77 and that will give you a good year's planning. Yeah. And if you've got that in the pot uh, and you know what's coming up next month or whatever, you can have a good, good run at that. And then the supporting business, like coaches, for example, I mean, I always remember at the night out once when I looked out the door and I counted 20 coaches full of people dropping and picking up people was only because uh, we were able to get innovative in communicating exactly what the deal was when you came to us. Um, and that then was duplicated right into the nightclubs. But I remember you, every time you did a course, I, uh, like I said, I did three. And I always said to myself, Whenever I go on a course, I always say to myself, right, I'm going to take at least one thing from this. The last one I took one from, and I did it, I implemented it as soon as I walked away, was I, I, I looked up the, um, the mayor's charity. <laughs> and, I, uh, and, I, and that was the one at the end, I remember. And I went to the mayor's, I went and met the mayor, right? So I was in Cardiff at the time. I went and met the mayor and said, look, I want to put an event on for your charity. I tell you what, the amount of business I got from that was unbelievable. It just, we got booking after booking after booking because it was, but that, that was, you know, that was just one snippet. The other one, the other story, the one previous to that I really loved, which I'd love you to share, is when, was it the Palladium I think you had and you did a, you, it snowed, but you were the only, you took bookings and you took deposits. Oh, they, and you, they, they all took over the up. town. Yes, and they yeah. all turned up. Yeah, that, that was a good story, that was. It was and, a great and story, true. I still remember it. Yeah, it was so true. It was one <laughs> of those terrible winters and London came to a standstill and the taxis had stopped, the buses had stopped, the underground had stopped. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my God, and this was New Year's Eve. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they're, um, they're never going to come. They're just yeah. never going to come. And all 900 people came. Yeah. And the only people that didn't come were the staff. And <laughs> I've never been so shattered in all my life. 
but we got there in the end. But uh, uh, the staff used it as a great excuse that they couldn't get in. Um, but the customers came and we just had it. We had a whale of a time. It's the biggest conga I've ever had in any business. Yeah, I bet. And, and but you know what, uh, Paul? The biggest thing for me with that was, it's like, you know, taking deposits, the importance of sales, the importance of putting that money in the bank. And, you know, for me, there's a lot of, there's a sort of gray area in our industry, I think at the moment, this is in my opinion, but, you know, with regards to the importance of sales and the importance of taking those bookings and the importance of, of having those deposits in, I just... I just find it quite a, especially with it, you know, it's quite a, it's, it's, it's very gray at the moment, whereas actually that method, yes, it's old school, but it's absolutely bob on and it's still true today. You know, you, you've hit on there. It's Tom Kitchen, I think the chef. Yes. Uh, was doing a, a, an analysis of our business right. in the pub world that he's in. Um, and he found that so many people took bookings, which was good. Yeah. And such a huge percentage of those bookings were no shows. Right. But the moment that they made to have to pay some money towards the booking, whether it was a pound, whether it was two pound, or even the full price, they definitely came. Yes. And the drop from not taking the money to even making them put some money on was absolutely amazing. And those businesses that won't take money because they say, oh, it'll upset the customer, it's such rubbish. I agree. It's only because they can't be bothered to do it. And so by taking the money, you, you do it because your wage percentage is right, your stock levels are right, your staffing levels are right. Everything is right because you know what's going to come in through that door. Yeah. And if the customer can make a booking and know that their booking is safe, uh, you know, history has said, if person has made a booking and then they get there and you turn them away, you turn them away, not for that night, but you turn them away for life. Forever. They, totally they just won't go, they just won't go back. Totally. I'm, I'm doing a bit of consultancy on a bar at the moment. That it's exactly that. We're going through the process of implementing the sales technique. And, and one of the guys said to me, he goes, well, you know, bookings, you know, deposits never work. I said, well, let me tell you one thing. A, a very fine man once told me, and I told him the palladium, I told him the palladium story because for me, it's the crux of what I've always done. Nova Leisure was famous for it, you know? Take the book in, put the money in, get it in the bank. You know, our pre-book levels were about 70% at one stage. 70% of our bookings on a night were from bookings. And, and people would think, well, how are they so busy? Well, it's a no-brainer, mate. That's why we were so busy, because we, we, we delivered everything. We, and we knew exactly how busy we were going to be. Yeah, spot on. I mean, and from a managerial point of view, if you knew, knew that 70% of your capacity is going to be walking in through that door, yeah. you can make sure that the service that they get is absolutely spot on because 100%. you've got the staff to do it. Yeah. If you have no idea who's coming, um, everything goes wrong. It's the pre-planning, and there it goes again, that magic word, yeah. um, that makes it work. It puts the money in the bank. Totally agree. I totally agree. One thing I want to do before we get to the final three questions, because it's been amazing, is how do people get in touch with you? So let's say you've got someone sat there and they're thinking, right, we need a bit of port in our life. Uh, how, do we, how do they get in touch with LGM online? What, what, where do they need to go? Direct them to the right place. John, I can only fall in love with you once. And that's such <laughs> a perfect question. Um, I did. I relaunched my course last Tuesday, yeah, and it's called LGM Online Training. Yeah. Um, that's the website. Brilliant. And people can go to the website. They can book the training course straight away. It's downloaded. Uh, there are contact numbers if they need to speak to me or any of my colleagues. Yeah. Um, delighted, of course, to do that. But now they can be independent and they can book this course, whereas... You know, before you either had to travel or you had to have accommodation. Now you can do it in your bedroom or you yeah. can do it in the office. Or yeah. You can do it anywhere and you can do it at the time and speed that you want to take in the juice, if you like. Um, and we're so excited that you can you can now do that. And the, the course is absolutely fantastic. I just you know, you would expect me to say that. I can be an advocate of it. I know that those courses are, they, like I said, they're gems. If you pick up any gems, 
like I said, one of them. You've only got to pick up one, it can transform your business. Yeah, I think I'm falling in love again. You can only oh, have it all. You, you can't, you can't have it all machine. the time. <laughs> so, so, right, we're going to get into the final ones, but you're also active on LinkedIn, yes? Yeah? So they can contact you, Paul Lillycrap, on LinkedIn and directly. Yeah, I've been on, I've been on LinkedIn for a good 25 years, really. Yeah, brilliant. So they can contact you on that. Right, we're going to go into the last ones, then, mate. Right. So to enter in the Paul's world, what are the three non-negotiables? The three non-negotiables. So how you've led your I think, life. I think I, looking at that, the first one is you need to always be true to yourself. Yeah. If you believe in yourself and whatever action you take going forward, you can do it. Yeah. But if you don't believe that you can do it, it will never happen. So the number one is believe in yourself that uh, is going to happen. Um, I love that. And I think the other thing is, is, and what doesn't happen is the other rule of success is that you must praise those around you that do a good job. And when you do that, what comes back is love. What comes back is respect. What yeah. comes back is, I want to do it for John. I want to do it for Paul. Yeah. Because the guy recognizes that I'm really going full out to make stuff happen. Yeah. And it doesn't happen today. You know, the pat on the back that, that you've done a really great job. It's just not said enough because I that's the agree. motivational push yeah. that um, is there. So we're all the last one then. What's the third one? And the third one is always fulfill the opportunities of life. Okay. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to say something really personal now. Yeah, okay. My beloved wife died on October the 3rd. Mm. And to be honest, I thought, well, that's it. There's no, I have no reason to live. Yeah. And I'd sign myself off. And now I'm engaged to be married. Mm. And I'm 70 years old and yeah. still some bugger out there loves me. And I find that incredible. And am I going to turn that down? Am I am I going to pick up? Oh God, there's the phone. Pick up, going yeah, on. what? Pick up that phone. <laughs> there you go. They, they, you can't. They can't get their hands on enough on me. So absolutely. Now that fucked up with me. <laughs> oh God. So where I am with that is that yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick up and say, when the opportunities come along, you must you must jump on them and recognize them, to be honest. And so yeah. even from my personal point of view, whether it's a personal thing, whether it's a business thing, you know, sometimes stuff will come across your door that you won't think is a business opportunity. Yeah. Someone um, really wants you there, bud. This person won't let my body go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what can I say? Absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's great. Right, last question, then you can answer that at that phone call. Right. If you were to go, right, you go back and speak to Paul at 18, what would you say, what bit of advice would you say to that 18-year-old right this second? What would I say to that 18-year-old? Pardon me, what a question. It's a good one, huh? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just going to say, whatever you do in life, be true to yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you do stuff because you have to, because you have to do it, that's fine. But if you do something that for you and that you believe in it, and it's, it's like me with my theater restaurants, it was such an inward passion. And when I was doing it, I loved every moment. I could not stop. Yeah. It, it meant so much to me to be where I was, to look at those stars, to look at the acts. Uh, and, and, and that was it because it was passion. And I often remember speaking to Tony Sprague, one of my, my heroes, really. Yeah. And we were talking about what makes a manager survive. And what it is, it's the passion of life. It's the passion they put into it. It's the passion of driving their business. And they get such a kick out of it. When the success comes along, they're really proud to share it with you. Yeah. And I think... If I was going to say to that 18-year-old, 
be passionate in what you do and then you will love it. I love that. I have missed one question. What's the biggest life lesson you've had so far, so far Paul? What's my biggest life lesson? Yeah. Uh, my biggest life lesson for my biggest life lesson was research. I booked an act called Gladys Knight in the Pips. Right. And I loved her music yeah. and I loved everything about it. And I played other um, 70s style people like the Drifters, the Temptations, the Three Degrees, all of that had been through my doors. And I thought Gladys Knight in the Pips would be an absolute mind bender successful. Yeah. I have never lost so much money in my whole life is when I booked Gladys Knight in the pits. And right. I, I, I never recovered really right. from the loss. And it, it, it went almost into six figures in right. terms of the money that I lost because having paid for the flights to come over, bringing them hotel accommodation and all the other shite that goes with life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was absolutely, couldn't believe that there just wasn't the interest there. So a good lesson for me, and I've always used it ever since, yeah. is research it before you jump into it. Right. Um, and, and yes, there's my life lesson. Yeah, that's a great bit of advice. And I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research the, the pips up now, actually. I'm going to see who they are. Um, Paul, thank you ever so much. Look, massive good luck with your online business, everything in life. Good luck with your engagement. I think that's awesome. Um, and look, stay in touch, which we always have done, and we always will do. And I really appreciate your time. And and that you're a total crack on guy in my <laughs> so uh, I wish you all the best for the future, mate. Uh, all right, thanks very much, and all the best to you too. Yeah, look after yourself. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. Do you know what? He's been thrown a load of lemons, uh, and he's made lemonade, and he's done that every time. And I love the story about when he put uh, bookings and 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 the bookings on in the Palladium. Uh, it really stays with me that he charged the money and they all turned up in the snow. That is the power of pre-booked. That is the power of uh, sales and marketing and, and being able to get those sales in and those people sat down at those chairs and really enjoying themselves. Paul is a legend in his own right. I love him the bits. Uh, really sad story about his wife and I know how close they were. A really positive that he's moving on with his life. Uh, at the age of Paul is, and he won't mind me saying that, that he's just full of energy. I loved him. I love him the bits. It's great to see him uh, so energetic. And he has got the absolute crack on attitude. So, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you do want to reach out to him, reach out. He's such a great guy. I can only, if you're in the hospitality industry, you've got to get this guy in your life. He is all about putting bums on those seats so you can take some money. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like, share, comment, do what you can with it. Uh, and like I said, have a great day. Crack on! Crack on!